They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt. I'm the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. Hey, what's up? I'm Paul Wooster. I'm the National Collegiate Evangelism Director. Hey, Shane, what what set of Jordans are you wearing today? <laughs> hey, man, I'm actually recording from home. So bare feet. Believe it or not, I got bare feet going on, man. Hey, are, I, I know you. Are you are you rocking some Vans today? Yeah, no, no, man. I'm I'm barefoot also. So both of them at home. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah, California is it's Vans only in California, right? Yep, yep. That's a. It's all you need is a pair of Vans. You're good to go. <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, friends, we got a very special guest with us today. Um, his name is Dr. Matt Carter. He is a dear friend of Paul and I's. Uh, he has done it all. I mean, he was the planting pastor of the Austin Stone Community Church in Austin, Texas, pastored that church for uh, 19 years. Now he's the lead pastor of Sagemont Church, another great church in Houston, Texas. He is an author, uh, speaker, uh, most importantly, a follower of Jesus, a husband, a father. He's a preaching professor. Um, and so what we're going to talk about today, he uh, is the right person to talk about. Uh, this topic when we talk about preaching and the next generation. So welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast, my dear friend, Matt Carter. Matt, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. Hey, Shane. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Hey, so before we get too spiritual, hey, tell us one fun fact about you that we may not already know. Okay. I don't know how fun it is, but it's a fact most people don't know. But um, before I moved to Houston, I spent uh, the previous four years not only pastoring the Austin Stone, but I was a high school football coach in Texas. <clears throat> My son went to a private school and long story, but I got wrangled into coaching football. I was an offensive coordinator. And here's the fun part. From the four years I coached, I went to the state championship all four years and I won it. I won it three years uh, of the four. And so I have three high school football state championship rings. Bro, hey, little did we know, Matt Carter may be the winningest high school coach by winning <laughs> in the state of Texas. That's a big deal, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, actually. He's got, is, the rings, I'm, got the rings on right now. You can see I, it. I, I do. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I got them right here. And, and listen, man, I try to be, like, pretty humble in my life. I don't, I don't usually <laughs> brag about much stuff at all. But when it comes to football – Ooh, I like to brag. There you go. <laughs> hey, so for our listeners, Matt Carter's wearing three state championship football rings right now. I love it, man. It's a dynasty. That is cool, man. Thanks for that. I had no idea. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, man, tell us, uh, Paul, man, tell us, yeah. you know, and ask Matt, you know, man, what do we need to know about reaching Gen Z, man? We always ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's what do we need to know about Gen Z? That's the focus of this podcast is how we can uh, equip, reach and mobilize this next generation. So what are some things that you picked up about Generation Z? Um, man, the thing I, I've noticed about uh, about Gen Z is um, in my time with them, of course, I have three children that are part of that that generation. And then I, I pastor a church full of them for 18 years. I know I know that the millennials probably 
were a big part of that also. But man, in my opinion, they are the most cause generation uh, oriented generation um, that I've ever experienced. They all want their lives to count for something. You know, I'll give you an example of my own daughter. Um, I was talking to her the other day. And, and man, she's 19 years old. <clears throat> she has zero desire whatsoever um, at this point in her life to get married and to get the house with the white picket fence and have three kids and settle down and just go to church every Sunday. I mean, she, her, her thinking is just a normal kid is how am I going to go out and make a difference in the world? Mm. And um, I mean, she she's willing to live in a van, literally in a van down by the river if she gets to. <laughs> Um, and I say that because she asked me to buy her a van that she could live in. But anyway, why she does this, but she, I, I, I come across that stuff all the time from that generation is man, the American dream. That's just not in the forefront. Kind of like our parents it was, or even some of us in Gen X, but man, they want to get out there. They want to have experiences and they want to change the world. Man, that's so true. And so, Matt, you mentioned, you know, Austin Stone, you mentioned, you know, being at Sagemont now. Hey, tell us about your journey. Tell us about planting uh, Austin Stone in Austin and now what you're doing at Sagemont. Yeah, so I planted the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas in 2002, which is crazy because I never thought I'd live in Austin, Texas. I, I went to Texas A&M University and so there's a big, you know, historical rivalry between those two places. And, but I moved in, Chris Tomlin was actually my worship leader <clears throat> for those of the, you know, folks that know Chris and we went in and, and from the very beginning, man, we, we went into the kind of the core of the city of Austin. We were in downtown Austin and uh, we started reaching college students and young adults really quickly. And, um, and for years and years and years, that was um, the, the main demographic, even 18 years later when I left Austin Stone to go to Sagemont, um, that was the primary demographic of our church. And so I've always been mixing it up, if you will, with the next generation, folks that are younger than me. But man, my life has radically changed because it's a long, boring story that I won't bore people with, but felt the, a sense and, and called to go to Houston and took a church in Houston called Sagemont Church. And man, it's the opposite. It's a much older church. Um, a lot of folks in their 60s and 70s. I mean, we're growing and younger families are coming. But And so I've had to almost shift my thinking about how I do ministry because so much of my ministry has been to millennials and to Gen Z. It's just radically different. Love that. I love, I've been following your ministry for a while. And one of the things I've always admired about Austin Stone specifically was your emphasis on mission mobilization and what you're saying about Gen Z, Gen Z and also it was true for, for millennials as well is just that latent desire to be use their life. So how have you guys, especially when you're in at Austin Stone, how did you tap into that to mobilize for missions? Well, I had to really rethink the way I reach out to um, to millennials and to Gen Z and how we're ministering to them and, and, and I guess how to reach them. And what I discovered really fast, Paul, is that, um, man, the old school uh, model that I grew up with in the early 90s and late 80s of, hey, put on a program on a Wednesday night and get some pizza and get a critical mass. And that's how you do college ministry. It just doesn't work. I mean, these kids grew up with cell phones. They grew up with Netflix. They're the most entertained generation that I've ever been aware of. And so, again, if they're this cause-oriented generation, then what attracts them is a cause. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> it's a long story, but we thought, why not tap into this mass of 
young people come into our church and let's get them on mission for the glory of God. And so when we challenged them to do it, we didn't start small, man. We kind of swung for the fences as we, we put a challenge out in front of our church, which again is all these young people. And we said, I want to raise up. We want to raise up a hundred missionaries wow. to go to unreached people groups all over the world for two years. And unreached people groups, for those that don't know, those are, those are hard places to go talk about Jesus. Some places, some, some places that have never heard the name of Jesus. You can lose your life for saying the name of Jesus. So we had no idea. We just, I preached on it for three weeks. We were going to do an informational meeting for anybody interested to come and talk about doing this two-year trip into the crazy places of the world. And I thought maybe 15, 20 people would show up. Paul, the night we did the informational meeting, we had 517 young people. Whoa. Show up to get information about leaving the United States and going to an unreached people group for two, two years. Well, 10 years later, we sent 325 missionaries all over the world. Now, listen, man, 325, that sounds like a big number. Um, man, I, that, that's a revival. I, yeah. I, don't know of a, I don't know of another place that that's happened that was an actual local church. I mean, you hear about missionary sending agencies that do that, but mm. um, a revival broke out, and it really goes back to we simply gave them the opportunity, we trained them, and then we sent them, and they did it. They raised their hand and said, here I am, send me. Wow. Hey, I love what you guys also were doing to equip them to live on mission on their campuses through those missional communities and stuff. And I, my theory is that played into the role. They thought if I can do it here, then I can also do it there. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. Is it, it, I think the reason there was so much of a pent up energy and desire to actually go do it in crazy places is because we'd been training them for years to, to do it on their college campus and, and to do it in their neighborhoods and we put them in communities like small groups, but the goal of the small group wasn't just to study the Bible and eat chips and dips. We're like, hey, get on mission together. Go, go, go get after your dorm. And so we had college kids baptizing other college kids in the fountain at the University of Texas campus. Um, <laughs> tell story after story about that. So when we opened the door to go to the nations, they were there. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Man, I love that, Matt. And just the vision y'all have of, and I think that is what is, for lack of a better term, attractive to the next generation. When you take the greatest cause-oriented generation, attach them to the greatest cause there is, the Great Commission. And I love that and that vision. Um, So, Matt, uh, you know, listeners who are listening, I just want to reveal something to you, just be transparent. Uh, Matt Carter literally is one of my favorite preachers to listen to. He's one of my favorite preachers in the nation. And Matt even teaches on preaching. So this is the right guy to talk to about preaching and communicating to the next generation. And so Matt, big picture, and I just want to like lob it out, let you hit a grand slam with it. Does sticking to the word of God, does preaching verse by verse, does lifting high the word of God still connect to this next generation that's coming up? Yes. You mean elaborate or you just want to leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> elaborate. Because you and I have had this conversation, you know, about, hey, does this, you know, sticking to the text, does preaching word, you know, verse by verse still connect to this generation? Would you just, yeah, elaborate on it. Man. All right, man. Well, let me tell you a story. And so I planted the Austin Stone in 2002. And so that's the front end of the millennial generation. I stayed there until uh, 2020, which we're, we're creeping into Gen Z by that point. Yeah. And... Um, man, when I planted the Austin stone, that was in the 
just the heart of the seeker friendly movement. And for those folks out there listening, they're younger, they don't know that. Uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, there's a huge movement in the United States where the thinking was that churches ought to, I mean, they wouldn't have ever said this, but this is what they were saying. Water down your preaching. Don't, don't preach things too difficult. Don't preach the Bible, but you make things relevant to the culture. And so that'll attract people. And then, and then once you get them in the doors and get comfortable with you, get comfortable with church, then you can sort of maybe tell them a little bit about what the Bible says. <clears throat> but man, I went to, I went to college in the early nineties and this guy that was preaching there named Chris Osborne, he preached verse by verse through the Bible. He was in the book of Matthew for the four years I was at A&M. He preached in the Greek new Testament from the stage and man, it blew my mind. It was standing room only kids standing in line to get in there <clears throat> And so I just thought, all right, I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to preach. Well, all these people came out of the work and said, Matt, there's no way you can go to a city like Austin, Texas, that's hip and cool and culturally savvy and go in the middle of that city and preach the Bible and expect to grow a church. Well, man, they were wrong. I mean, first Sunday of the Austin Stone, very first Sunday, I said, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And four and a half years later, I finished it. And by the end of that time, we had 3,000 folks coming, most of them were college kids. And, and so, man, we, we went through John, we went through 1 Corinthians, we went through Exodus, we went through Genesis, we went through 1 Peter, verse by verse. And, you know, by the end of our time, man, we had about 8,000 folks that were coming. And the thing I kept hearing over and over again is, man, you just shot me straight. You taught me the truth. You didn't sugarcoat it. And I appreciated that. And then I got saved. And okay, but let me add one more thing to it. Is all right, I'm starting to get old, guys. I'm 40, I'm about to be 48. And so I'm old and busted. And so in the back of my mind, um, I'm starting to think, well, maybe, maybe this next generation, you do have to be cool, or you do have to be hip, or you do have to kind of make it more palpable to them or speak it in a way that they really can handle it on the front end. And I'm starting to even doubt myself. I talked to this guy the other day, Shane. He was at that event that you and I were at. And I'm not going to mention his name, but this guy's like one of the he's I think he's 20, he's 19, he's he's TikTok famous. He's got hundreds of thousands of followers. And all he does is get on TikTok and read a verse and talk about it for like 12 seconds. And then he ejects. He's got 100,000 followers. And he said, I think he's 19. He said, Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt, listen, man, I just want to encourage you. This next generation, man, don't sugarcoat it. Man, all you got to do to reach them is just give them the word of God. And they're hungry for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I looked at him and I said, I want you to know that that's one of the most comforting things I have been told in so long. Because if, it, if I got to reach people with my coolness, we're in trouble. Mm. But if mm. I can reach them with the word of God, then I got hope. And so that's what I'm doing. I love that, Matt. Yeah, Colin. Uh, yeah, that's our friend Colin. And he's right, man. And, and if uh, Colin is share with you, man, he has, and he goes, man, I can't even almost keep up with it. He'll have hundreds, uh, if not thousands of people in a month's time, DM him going, man, I just gave my life to Jesus mm. or I'm struggling with this. Man, they're just confessing things. And that's all he does. If you watch any of his videos, because uh, they're a minute, he'll read a verse, give a thought on it, cut out. That's it. Yeah. And I'm with you, man. I love that. Matter of fact, he was begging me to do it. Like, I don't even know what TikTok is. And he's like, you got to do it, man, because you're old. And there's no old guys on TikTok. <laughs> you're old. There's no old guys on TikTok. Oh, 
this is this is motivating me to get on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I love what you're saying there, Matt. Is is it's based on the authority of God's word. That's right. Not the authority of our own ability to communicate or anything else, our coolness, whatever that is. Man, it's about God's word. We are we'll always have something relevant because we always have God's word. So with that in mind, what does your weekly sermon prep look like, Matt? Okay, so man, I um I usually start on uh actually I take Mondays off now. Um and I I start on Tuesday morning. I get up really early. I do most of my research. I do the the Greek textual work. I I, I do my commentary work, uh, do my prayer and that sort of stuff, and and just get uh, start getting an idea of exactly what the text is saying. I try to come up with what's called a thesis sentence or an MPT, the main point of the text, mm. um, and 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 get that all written out. And then Wednesday morning again, I'm up early. I'm usually up by five thirty six o'clock, and I'm a transcript guy. I'm afraid I'll say something stupid if I just jump in and and start preaching and I'm not actually not smart enough to do that. And so I actually write a transcript out, get all my points out Thursday. I rewrite it Thursday morning. I rewrite it Friday morning. I start preaching through it. And I've just found that as when I write something down, inevitably it comes out of my mouth different when I say it. And so I'll go back and rewrite what I say Saturday morning. I preach through it again. Um, it's pretty close to being ready by that point. Um, Sunday or Saturday evening, I read through it one last time before I go to bed. Sunday morning, I get up, um, do a quick read through and, and, and prayer and go for it. Um, one, one thing for anybody out there that's, that's a preacher. Um, one thing I've learned is that it's best to do your sermon prep when your mind's fresh. And I'm a morning guy. I, I don't, my brain just shuts down about one o'clock in the afternoon. And I used to spend hours cranking on sermons in the afternoon and, and I would get a paragraph out in three hours and the next morning at 6 a.m. I look at that paragraph. I'm like, this stinks. I'd erase it. And I'd write a 10 times better paragraph in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned is I do all my sermon prep in the mornings and at about 11 o'clock, I turn the computer off wherever I'm at and walk away from it. But uh, that's pretty much it. That's awesome, Matt. Matt, if, if you had one go-to uh uh, tool or commentary, uh, what advice would you give on that? Do you have like a, uh, like your favorite set of commentaries? What's, what's kind of your tool? Obviously you got the word of God. Is there kind of some tools that you go to on a weekly basis? Yeah. yeah I, I, I got into that lo- logos thing, but, but it's super expensive. So if I had to like pick one commentary that I think is really good, um, I'm a big fan of, of, Two, two commentaries. One's the Christ-centered exposition commentary from Lifeway. I guess it's B&H. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's really the idea is we take the whole Bible, but we're pointing it all back to Jesus. So that's the Christ-centered expositor. Uh, I think it's Christ-centered exposit- expositor um, mm-hmm. commentary series. And then I, I like John MacArthur. And I know that, you know, he's controversial in a lot of ways and all that stuff, but He's really accessible, and he does a really good job of sort of uh, getting into the meaning of the text, but making it applicable. And so, I'd, I'd recommend him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love those commentaries as well. Hey, Matt, what advice uh, would you give to like a next gen leader or a young person in ministry that you wish somebody would have given to you, whether it be in ministry or preaching? What advice would you give? Well, I'm going to give you advice that um, I don't know that I wish somebody would g- have given me, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the advice I wish somebody would have given me. Um, When I was young, and 
I don't think I would have ever, Shane, I would have ever admitted this to anybody, but I wanted to preach at conferences and I wanted to write books and I wanted to grow a big church. And, and it's not that I was doing it for that, those things. I did it for Jesus. Like I really did, but there was definitely a part of my heart that wanted that stuff and thought, man, that's, that's the goal. That's the, and, and man, at 26, 27, you're asking me, I, I would have, if I'm being honest, I tell you, I want to do all those things. Well, man, I did them. You know, I, I wrote the books and I preached at the conferences and done all that stuff. And it was cool. But as a 47 year old guy sitting here, um, the most satisfying thing, the funnest thing, the most fruitful thing that I've ever done is just being a pastor of a local church mm. and being with my people and investing them. And man, I'll be honest with you, bro. If I never, if I never speak at another conference, I'm really okay. It's not that conferences aren't good. They're awesome. But the most satisfying thing I've ever done has been in the local church. So the advice that I would give them is, man, the thing that you're doing right now, working with that college ministry, working with that student ministry, working with those people in your church, that's the best stuff, man. Don't look past it to something else. Enjoy it. Cause you're going to look back at it one day and realize it was the best time of my life. Absolutely, man. I love that, Matt. And when you talk to people about who's influenced them, uh, rarely do you hear somebody go, oh, it was this conference speaker I heard. That's right. Or, you know, or this person that uh, was a camp pastor. It was always the, my pastor, uh, my small group leader, no the person who discipled me, my college pastor, my BCM director. Love that. Matt, we always close uh, our time together on the Next Gen Mission podcast with this same on-mission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation, not the future of the church, but the church right now, that they have a mission now. Would you give us one closing thought on this and maybe one practical next step? Yeah, just look, you can do it. You have inside of you the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have the power within you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Don't wait till after you're married. Don't wait till after college. Don't wait till you get a job. Get in the fight. Get in the fight right now, and God will use you to do exceedingly abundantly more than anything you could ever ask or ever imagine. Hmm. Love that, Matt. That is so good. Just thinking about God's power. It's not our ability. It's our availability before God, and love that. So what are some ways that we could stay, our listeners could stay connected with you? You've written a bunch of really good books. Um, I've checked some of those out. I love them. So what are some ways that we can, we can check you out on social media, et cetera? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, um, Matt73. Um, gosh, I don't even remember what my, I think it's, uh, I don't remember, my, Matt Carter, 1973 or something like that. Um, and then I'm on Twitter um, and you can find me there. And that'd probably be the two best places to connect with me. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I want to encourage you, friends, listeners, uh, to go, hey, follow Sagemont's church and listen to Matt preach. And you'll be encouraged by that. Learn from it. Um, man, what a great example. Matt, thank you so much for my my friend. Thank you so much for being on here. So rich. Uh, always learn so much from you. Always so encouraged by you. So, so thankful for you, my friend. Thank you so much for being a part of the Next Gen Mission podcast. And friends, thank you for listening and joining Paul and I. For another episode and we are super grateful for you if this podcast is a help to you we had asked that you give it a rating share it with others invite others to join in continue to listen with us and take this journey with us and if you have any questions at all on reaching the next generation please email us at evangelism at nam.net 
We'll try to address those on a future episode of this podcast. Have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.